and welcome to My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm your host, Dr. Richard McKinnon. I'm a chartered psychologist and coach. And if this is the first episode you've uh, joined us for, you are very welcome. As I mentioned last episode, we've noticed quite an uptick in downloads and listenership. So it's really great. Um, I'd love to hear from you if you're enjoying this, if you've got questions or indeed suggestions for topics that we can cover in future episodes. You can email us at podcast at worklifepsych.com and you'll find the show notes for this and all our other episodes on the website at worklifepsych.com slash podcast. So last episode, we looked at the first of our sort of productivity themed topics for the next few episodes where we looked at the roots of procrastination. And I want to reiterate something at this point. Um, one, if you haven't listened to it, probably a good idea to go back and listen to that before we look at uh, the, the um, potential solutions to procrastination in this episode. But really, um, procrastination is such a common a response to things that I don't want anyone to feel bad about identifying with this. And the, this sits within a, a series of productivity related episodes where, and I know the word productivity isn't always helpful, but I want to underline what we mean by productivity at Work Life Psych. What we're talking about is simply this, doing the right thing in the right way at the right time. What we're not talking about is epic production of more, whatever it is that you do, more documents, more meetings, more calls, more, more client, whatever visits. It's not about more. It's about quality. And it's also about sustainability, working in a way that you can keep working that won't detract from your health and well-being. And as I outlined last time, procrastination can do that. It can hamper the quality of our work, uh, our relationships and our reputation and our well-being. So it's an important topic. Um, but what I want to do today is unlock some of the things that you can do to beat this habit. And you'll know yourself. You don't procrastinate about everything. So last time it was about identifying what are the kinds of psychological discomfort the unpleasant thoughts and feelings that you associate with different tasks? And what are the stories you tell yourself about why it's a good idea to push this into the future? Now, those stories are attractive, but they're also irrational. They don't really make any sense. If you prod and poke them a little bit, they don't really stand up to scrutiny. So procrastination is the irrational delay to some kind of action where there's meaningful consequences. So it's about the stuff that matters. It's about delaying action where that causes a problem. Maybe delaying paying a bill until the last minute and then finding that it didn't go through on time and you, you incur a financial penalty. Waiting until the last minute before giving someone some feedback and then you realize it's sort of not very timely and um, they wonder why you didn't do it sooner. Or waiting till the last minute before uh, preparing for an important meeting and realizing you needed a lot more time to get across your brief. It's not helpful, but it's attractive. And this is why it's so difficult to untangle, because the delay brings us relief. As soon as we tell ourselves tomorrow is a better day, we get the relief from the uh, psychological discomfort. So with that reminder of what we're talking about shared there, what can we do about procrastination? 
There is no one perfect solution to this, but I want to explore it from a couple of complementary perspectives. Um, as a listener to this podcast, you won't be surprised to hear me start with a sort of psychological perspective, but then I'll move on to some more practical things that we can build into our way of working to ensure that we're minimizing the chance of procrastination taking place. And I might suggest to you, if you've identified your own procrastination habit, that gets you a gold star. Because a lot of the time our procrastination is shameful, it's embarrassing, and we don't admit it, even to ourselves. But actually noticing, oh, I procrastinate about this all the time, and I want to do something different, that's brilliant. Okay, so you can build on that with this episode where I'll make some suggestions about how you might do that. It's not laziness. Don't focus on your uh, evaluation of yourself, but instead identify different ways of approaching the same challenge. Negative self-evaluation, beating yourself up, is not going to help you in this situation. So fundamentally, what we're doing um, uh, when we're procrastinating is that we're doing what we think will help us avoid some kind of discomfort. But remember, this discomfort is not pain. It's not danger. It's literally discomfort. Boredom, frustration, annoyance, ambiguity, all the different ways it can show up. And avoiding that means that we'll end up avoiding the activity itself. And sometimes the discomfort is inherent to that activity. It can't really be separated from the work. So avoid the discomfort, you avoid the work. Avoid the discomfort, you avoid the task, the activity, the event, and all the benefits that come uh, from that. One perspective is we're avoiding the opportunity to grow and learn from doing something challenging or uncomfortable. But another is you're avoiding something that sits with you. It's a responsibility you have. You own it. No one else can do it. And so we're saving up a problem for our future selves. So noticing that discomfort uh, is a great first step and seeing it in terms of that's what you're avoiding. Nothing worse than some temporary, um, not painful, not dangerous, but all the same icky psychological discomfort. Those stories uh, that I mentioned last time, it's important to notice them, but not buy into them. Noticing that you're telling yourself stories means you can just label them as stories. And listeners to the podcast will know that just labeling the stories we tell ourselves is a great way of not allowing them to dictate what we do next. And it's a great way of not struggling with them or debating with them or looking for other evidence to the contrary. So when you notice it, you could say to yourself, oh, hold on, this is just the uh, I'll be more motivated tomorrow story. And I, I know it hasn't helped me before, so I don't need to buy into it. Or this is the I need a fresh start on Monday story when every other Monday has revealed to me it doesn't make any difference. I can make a start now. So the difference here is there's no wrestling or struggling with the story and we're not trying to remove the story. We're just seeing it as eh, an unhelpful story. It's never helped us before. Why buy into it? Why follow its instructions now? The discomfort that we feel about certain tasks 
can lead us to have an automatic response to it. And that's one of the challenges with procrastination. It can happen in an instant. In the blink of an eye, we decide tomorrow, next week, next month. And so when we're able to sit with the discomfort and not avoid it, we can have a whole different perspective on it. Now, what this doesn't mean is that we will start to enjoy it. Uh, That is, I think, an unrealistic (laughs) prospect. But because we automatically shy away from it, try to minimize it or avoid it completely, we don't really get to experience it all that much. Sitting with it, noticing what it is, allows us to often get to a point where we say, oh, this is not nice, but that's as bad as it gets. Maybe I've been building this up in my mind to such an extent that it's a bigger issue than it needs to be. And you know, that's something that coaches say to me all the time when they're wrestling with their procrastination. When they get around to doing the thing, it's the anticipation of the activity is often far worse than doing the activity itself. And so spending a little time exploring the discomfort, not trying to avoid it, move in the opposite direction from it, but instead, hmm, what is this? What could I call this? What name could I give it? How is it showing up? We're learning to objectify it, to see it as a thing that we experience and that will pass, but it's also not something to be avoided. It's just an experience. There's something specific about the discomfort associated with these tasks where we're likely to procrastinate that could be very useful. And this might sound a little counterintuitive because a lot of the time where we talk about this discomfort, it's uh, don't, don't try and avoid it, but also just plow on regardless. Don't pay attention to it. Just accept it as a thing. But actually, when it comes to procrastination, we might learn a thing or two from the discomfort. What do I mean by that? Well, if the discomfort is taking the form of, well, I don't know where to start, so I'll have a look at it later. Well, maybe the next thing you could do is to clarify your starting point. If it's, I feel like I've got too much to do, I'll do this next week. Maybe the first point is to get your arms around your workload and establish some priorities to see where this fits in. Maybe the discomfort is um, a frustration or an ambiguity as, as to why you're doing this in the first place. Rather than push it into the future, the next step could be to get clarity on why it does sit with you and how it does fit into your existing responsibilities. Once we've uh, paid attention to, but not taken our orders from the discomfort, we can then clarify the goal of the task. What is the purpose of this? We're moving our focus from how icky is this to why is it being done in the first place? What's the value of it? Uh, What impact will it have? How important is it? How necessary is it? We're focusing on the practicalities then. And we can also leverage another thing that sits within all of this, which is to reflect on the kind of person we want to be. By asking ourselves about the role of our values in all of this, we're shifting our focus away from uh, the inherent nastiness to the um, benefit of bringing our values to bear on it. In other words, if I persist with this tiresome activity, how will I be bringing my values to life? If I knuckle down and actually complete this task, how will I be being the kind of person I want to be? 
So you can see with these sort of uh, psychological perspectives, these thinking perspectives, we're not doing anything to remove the discomfort. We're just changing our focus. In any attempt to remove that boredom, that um, frustration, that annoyance, um, takes your eye off the ball in a sense. It removes your focus on getting the thing done and more on feeling good about it, which is not a great use of energy. doesn't always work for very long. And it means you're also delaying the start because you say, I need to feel good about this before I can do it, which is one of the stories we tell ourselves. When you notice your tendency to delay making a start, you can ask yourself a very simple question. The options in front of me uh, for doing it or delaying it represent two directions of travel. So as I mentioned in the last episode, if you decide to delay it, will this move you towards getting the thing done, done well, on time, in a way that you'd be proud of? Does it move you towards uh, doing that? Or has your decision to delay it simply moved you away from some form of psychological discomfort? That's it. It's towards or away. This is helpful because it moves us from self-evaluation of being a good or bad person or being successful or engaging in failure, but simply, am I headed in a direction that's helping me or a direction that means I'm avoiding something? And as we uh, shared last time, um, the research study about the impact on our well-being, it, it's fundamentally an avoidance strategy. So noticing our tendency to avoid helps us notice these patterns and helps us be a little bit more honest with ourselves. We can sidestep the stories, notice the discomfort, see it for what it is, and frame our next steps in terms of moving towards completion or simply attempting to avoid what is for many of these things, the inevitable. It's not fun. It's not, it's not enjoyable. It doesn't spark joy. As I say, it, um, it, it's boring. It's difficult. It's something you don't want to do. That's not going to change with the passing of time. In fact, it could make it worse. So what about the kind of practical side of things, the nuts and bolts side of things. There's a very simple thing, and I'm going to elaborate on this in the next episode. But if there are deadlines that are important, well, it makes sense to put them into your calendar, but not only that, to block out time to work on them in advance of that deadline. Now, having time blocked out doesn't magically change your behavior. But the great thing about calendars is they serve as a visual representation of how we intend to spend our limited time. And so if something's important and it needs doing, it really should be represented by a time block on your calendar. When you're uh, talking to yourself about rescheduling work, or maybe potentially just pushing it into the future with no firm date. Talk it through with someone else. Uh, talk to a, a trusted other in your life. Relay to them your rationale. And the thing is, if it's procrastination, that story won't stand up to scrutiny from someone who's not feeling the discomfort. They may well point out that it doesn't really help you to push it into next week. They may point out that making a start could be more helpful than delaying it completely. If you don't want to have that conversation, you could just relay it to yourself. 
say the words out loud or write them down. Turn those thoughts into something a bit more solid and notice the, as I said previously, the mental gymnastics you're going through to try and avoid making a start. One of the very common reasons that we might push something into the future is uh, a feeling of overwhelm or a lack of clarity as to the first steps. And a root of this is often because we look at a to-do list and it's got projects on it and not tasks. So when you are looking at what needs to be done, make sure that you're looking at a, a task, an actionable task that can be done. Write an email, make a phone call, visit a client, book a ticket, rather than sort out clients entire projects, that's uh, insurmountable. We cannot get our arms around that. And that will lead us to feel overwhelmed and no one likes that. And then we're much more likely to push it away. So make that distinction between projects and tasks and ensure that when you're looking at what to do next, it's a task that you're looking to focus on. And the benefit of focusing on direction of travel towards or away means that actually we're, we're, we're moving towards the end point. doesn't mean we have to get there in one go. So the next element of the work could be all that we need to do. The next conversation, the next email, the next form to be filled. Um, I think it's quite telling. I keep referring to paperwork. <laughs> it's my own bugbear. Um, any, any kind of formal paperwork I, I tend to shy away from, but I've acknowledged that now, haven't I? But you know, it's not about getting it all done. It's about moving towards completion. And that's much more helpful than moving away from the discomfort we associate with it. One of the things that we can find difficult is to keep going once we've started. And there's a, a neat technique that I, I know we've referenced before on the podcast that's commonly referred to as the Pomodoro method, but Effectively, what this is, is just working in sprints at something, at one thing. And the method, and I'll link to the website in the show notes, but it's very simple. You start a timer and you work on this one thing until the timer goes ping. You take a short break and you sit down and you set the timer and you work on it again. It removes any wondering of what should I do? What could I do? It helps us stop looking at the clock because the timer is doing that for us. And it enables us to do something that is quite difficult for many of us, which is to focus on one task to the exclusion of all others. So this can help us bring real focus and productivity to this thing. So we'll get it done uh, without distracting ourselves, without multitasking, and find that a focus on it can really help us get to the other side. And talking it through is one way we can involve others, but we can also use accountability making a commitment to someone else that you're going to get that task done. Now, not necessarily your manager, but someone who knows you and you could say, I'm, I'm going to finish this by lunchtime or I'm going to make that call by the end of the day. And you're, you're verbalizing something, you're making a commitment. And then it can be a little bit harder to push that into the future because you've already said you're going to do it. There's no one perfect, one size fits all with this. Think about your own context. It's going to depend on the kind of work you do. It's going to depend very much on your personality, your lived experience. But these fundamentals um, cross a lot of that. Uh, the human dislike for uncomfortable 
work and situations, um, our ability to tell ourselves stories, to, to look for some rationale in our irrational decisions, and the fact that we can set ourselves up for success rather than propagating this um, very uh, unhelpful habit that when it's a chronic habit can really come between us and being our best selves at work. I would love to hear from you if any of these points have really resonated with you, uh, if you found a solution to your own procrastination, because there's lots of different things that we could do uh, to to um, beat this habit. Um, and if you've got follow-up questions or points you'd like to share, you can send them via email. Uh, it's podcast at worklifepsych.com. We'd love to hear from you and I'll um, uh, keep it anonymous if you would like that or just allude to it and not mention it at all. I have to do that sometimes for, for some listeners that prefer to remain very anonymous. And that's absolutely fine. But please let us know about the last couple of episodes about procrastination, what's resonated, what's been meaningful, what have you tried to put into practice and what impact has it had for you? So until next time, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com/contact. Thanks for listening.